0: You know that little b, you know that little ditty? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host with the most. It is episode 24, and this show is all about you. Thanks to everyone who supports this show at patreon.com slash Tong. We'll get to that later. But again, this is all about y'all. Call in 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. We got over 15 calls this week. It was crazy, so I had to trim them down. I'm sorry I couldn't get to everyone and some of y'all like it sounds like you're underwater. I I hope you have a phone from the past 5 years cuz it shouldn't it, it shouldn't sound like that. It shouldn't. So let's get to it everybody. A lot of stories happened kind of earlier this week and the big one really comes to us from Bloomberg and Bloomberg reports that Apple is planning to debut a low-cost MacBook Air with a Retina display and a revamped Mac mini with a focus for professionals sometime this fall in 2018. So we, we've we heard this rumor that Apple is going to have a new entry-level low-cost laptop, and we didn't know if it was a MacBook or a MacBook Air and what the design might be. This is the first report that actually outright says it will be a MacBook Air. They do report that it'll have slimmer bezels around the display. It'll continue to be sized around 13 inches and will feature a retina display the first time at least for the macbook airline remember the macbook air was that first uh i think it was the first laptop where they said you could fit it in a manila envelope i swear that was the advertising campaign uh, at least it was for the 11 inch where you could just slide it in an envelope I mean, that's when apple used to have really good clever advertising i know i sound old when i say that but it's true they used to do those fun things I remember when they did the uh They had the MacBook Pro 17 inch and they had the um, I think they had the 12 inch MacBook Pro and they did a video with Yao Ming and Jules Verne, Mini Me, and it was in like on an airplane or something. It was super clever. We don't we don't see ads like that anymore. Now it's like all it's more like lifestyle ads. Not nearly as cool. Uh, Anyways, the 13 inch MacBook Air will get revamped. They also talk about the Mac Mini, which I think is really interesting because the last time the Mac Mini was upgraded was, or at least how about this, updated, significantly updated, was October 2014, four friggin' years ago. Now, we don't know too many details about it, but according to Bloomberg and Mark Gurman, he says that it's expected to be focusing on the Pro users with new storage options and processor options that are likely to bump it up in price compared to the previous Mac mini products. So we know it's entry level is four ninety nine. This most likely will have a higher end price point, right? Get your own display, get your own mouse, get your own keyboard separate from everything instead of the all-in-one design. It, you know, use it as a Plex media server that can now serve up 4k content. That's a, that's another cool option because a lot of people use Mac minis for that as well. So We'll see what happens. The thinking, though, is that Apple has so many products that we are loaded in this fall season. I'm thinking, look, iPhone, Apple Watch, AirPods, AirPower will be in September, and we're really probably about three weeks out from their announcement. And they can't, I mean, it would just be silly just to load that up and then put like iPad Pro and whatever they do with this new pencil and, and Macs whatever, if it's an upgraded speed bump for the iMac Pro and Mac minis, and maybe a tease of the new Mac Pro, just a teaser, that's got to be its own event. So the thinking is that Macs and iPads will appear on their own event in October, or at least an announcement. And then obviously the flagship September event will feature the iPhone and the Apple Watch. And I'm I'm super excited about that. I i'm I'm most excited right now about the Apple Watch Series Four and whatever they do with the new iPad pro and I hope they don't just sit on their butt and really do make the iPad pro just kind of like a little bump I want to see some significant software updates. We haven't seen what they're what what they're gonna bring to us at least from a standpoint of the iPad software um and we'll talk about the whole bringing the Apple pencil to the iPhone. We had some good calls and I'm glad people finally called to. Disagree with me? I think it's. I think we got more calls because I said, "Hey, if you disagree with me, call in. Just I want to hear your thoughts. It's it's good conversation." So we have those announcements coming out. A new report. When we talk about iPhones, from Macorculp, a source from German carriers, and it's a German outlet. They say that according to their carriers and sources, they're all preparing for pre-orders for the new. 2018 iPhones to happen on September the 14th. If that's the case, September the 14th is a Friday. That would point to Apple doing their keynote either on Tuesday, September 11th or Wednesday, September the 12th. Now we know September the 12th, 9-11 in US history obviously is a day that you wouldn't expect them to announce anything, just because it's a day of mourning and remembrance of what happened on 9-11. So maybe they do it then? I don't know, but I don't see them doing it on a Monday. They need people to fly in. They give them kind of a day, they settle in. So let's say it's 11th or 12th. Let's put our money on the 12th, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did on 11th. One of those days, if the pre-orders are actually on that Friday, then the actual keynote would be on the 11th or 12th. Other reports have said that Apple has been ramping up to make sure that they get this iPhone out Earlier compared to last year. Last year's keynote was on September the 12th, which was a Tuesday last year. September the 12th of this year would be a Wednesday. But the phones last year came out and were actually released on November the 3rd because of production and manufacturing. This is not a new revolutionary form factor. It's not a new design or body. Sure, they have a few different sizes, but from actually building this, they know so much more. They should be more efficient with it. So the target is that they may be available to deliver to customers on September 21st. They wanna hit that buying season early, so we'll see, we will see. But typically, as far back as um, 2012, it has the Apple keynote has occurred on either a Wednesday or Tuesday of that second week in September. On, in 2012, it happened on Wednesday, the September 12th. 2013, it happened on a Tuesday, September 10th, 2014 happened on Tuesday, September 9th. You have the following year, September 9th, September 7th, September 12th. So I looking on the pattern, it looks like September 12th, Wednesday should, and could be the day. So I don't know if, I don't know how you all feel. I, I don't hear many people and many of you from the Apple Bits nation writing in or calling in and saying, I'm really juiced about this next generation iPhone. I think we're always excited about a new iPhone, but I don't feel that much excitement around it. Maybe it's just me. You got y'all got to let me know. You got to call in and let me know. Am I am I making this up? Or are you are you all in general just not as excited about the new iPhone? Eight three three triple eight A B X L. That's eight three three triple eight two two nine five. Also, the 2018 iPhones may feature a faster and more efficient wireless charging. Uh, with a switch to an internal copper coil. Now, right now, inside, coiled up for the wireless charging, it's a FPC coil, which is short for ferrite polymer composite. Now, you switch over to copper, it's a thicker core coil and allows for faster and more efficient wireless charging at least from a technical standpoint, we know Apple's wireless charging right now is at 7.5 Watts. You have other phones uh, like the Samsung galaxy line. They have fast wireless charging, which is at, I believe nine Watts. I don't know if it, the charging plates themselves actually can support up to 10 Watts, but at least right now, the highest phone is at nine Watts from what I believe. If, if I'm wrong, you got, y'all can correct me. So yeah, it's the second generation iPhone 10. They need a they need to bump that wireless charging speed up as well. We know that wireless charging will never be as fast as a physical cable, but it was it's slowly but surely getting better. The report also says it this new copper coil will happen in at least one of the new models. They didn't say specifically, it could be just the large 6.5-inch iPhone 10 Plus, whatever you want to call it. It could be for both the OLED designs. Most likely, it will not be part of the LCD 6.1-inch model, the sweet spot, which, based on its price, might sell the most because that's kind of like the budget. That's like the faux, that's the iPhone 10 or whatever they call it, I-faux, I-faux 11. It's not a real iPhone guy. I'm sorry, that's not a real iPhone to me, and I'm not going to judge you if your budget doesn't, can't handle like the big, I'm telling that is a psychological purchase for Apple to say, hey, you all can have an iPhone. We're just going to make a cheaper one that you can't really tell, but people that know can tell, and then they'll know you have the cheaper one. So it's there. It's there for y'all. And I'm not saying everyone should buy a $1,000 phone. Absolutely not. But Apple knows what they're doing with this. And then one more iPhone story. Apple is planning on keeping TSMC to build their processors for the iPhone and iPad at least through 2020. The report about this why it seems risky is Apple is extremely dependent. Uh Apple and TSMC have this really tight relationship that look, they're their only manufacturer for the processors A12 chipped inside the iPhone lineup, the only sole provider. So we've seen this before when you have when you lean on one provider or one manufacturer and then delays happen and stuff happens. If there's a slowdown, it affects the entire chain. Apple doesn't have any other relationships. They've signed a contract through 2020. TSMC, the company itself, is really dependent on Apple. It provides about, it makes up for 75% of its business working with Apple. And why not? But why this could be a bad sign for them. Remember, Apple is recently with two specific companies. One of them was called Imagination, where they formerly they used to design the GPO for the iPhone, and Apple's like, no, we're not we're gonna do it our we're gonna do it ourselves now. They dropped them. Imagination went up for sale. Uh also a, a semiconductor company called Dialog, their stock purely dropped because there were reports about how Apple how Apple might be doing its own power management chips as well. Their stock dropped just because of those stories and rumors. So It's a blessing and it's a curse to be tied so tightly with Apple, but we will see the new crop of processors uh, for the new iPhones and the new iPad pros. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm juiced about that. I'm very juiced about that. Let's talk some Apple watch news. Apple watch series four models have been filed six new Apple watch model numbers with the Eurasian economic commission. That's according to French blog Consumac. Now, why is this important? We've taught, if you've heard of the show and what we've talked about over the years, the Eurasian Economic Commission is typically an indicator of products that are coming very, very soon. Apple has to file them first before they're actually released. So, typically, within one to two weeks before many of their flagship products release, you can find their filings with the Eurasian Economic Commission. So, we've had things like the lower cost 9.7 inch iPad, the new iPad Pros iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus, AirPods, the new 2018 MacBook Pro with touch bars, those were all filed with the Eurasian Economic Commission first and kind of gave us a hint like, okay. And so in, just in case you're wondering, there's definitely going to be an Apple Watch Series 4 at this new keynote. Absolutely. The other thing about this is in the past, there have been eight numbers, eight model numbers that have been filed. This year, there's only six. And that could indicate possibly that the ceramic variants in their two sizes will not be part of the Apple Watch Series Four launch. So I'm sorry for all you rich people that bought this that wanted a new ceramic one. I'm honestly just jelly. I think the the white ceramic looks sick. I, or I could just paint paint an Apple Watch with white nail polish if I guess I wanted to. Right now I probably I probably should. Anyways. Six model numbers were filed and uh, we know the rumors about the Apple Watch. The screen, the form factor will be the same, but the screen will extend closer to the edge with a more minimal bezel. I think that's gonna actually make a big difference. Like it's gonna look really cool. It's gonna feel like a bigger watch. There's been rumors about longer battery life and improved health monitoring capabilities. I love all the software and tweaks they showed at WWDC for the Apple Watch, that walkie-talkie, like walkie talking. Walk it. Talking. I I'm, I'm all about that. That looks super cool. So those improvements are coming and then one thing that has been shown off in the beta is the fact that WebKit is part of watchOS 5. And why is WebKit important? Well, it's the fundamental, you know, it's the basis for Safari. It's but there's no full web browser that's coming to the Apple Watch, but what it does allow, you know, whether or not you use it that much, I completely ignored the mail app, and any links that were sent over text message because they wouldn't display at all. But now you can actually, if someone sends you a link or something, not that I'm saying you're going to depend on your Apple Watch to read this stuff, but you have the option to check it out when you're sent specific links or websites, Uh, even like a Google search. You can do certain things. So, you know, whether it's through the messages app or through a Google link that is, you know, embedded in there or mail through the mail app, I think that's cool. It just makes it a little more versatile. And you know, I'm all in for the Apple Watch right now. I think it's an amazing device. Three now, four years later. And then one more thing with the Apple Watch before we hit a break, the Apple, the Apple. Apple, the company is supporting national parks with Apple Watch activity challenges and Apple Pay donations. So what they're doing from August 24th to 31st, if you use Apple Pay, they're gonna donate $1 to the National Park Foundation for every transaction. And then also... On September 1, September 1st, if you complete a walk, run, or wheelchair workout of 50 minutes or more, you're going to earn an Activity App Award and an animated iMessage sticker. Yes. That's exactly why I bought this $300 device. Yes. All right, let's take a breather, take a break, and want to send a shout out and love to the sponsors of the show. That would be you patreon.com slash brian Tong is the way to show support for the show you can start at one dollar five dollars per month five dollars a month is a cup of coffee i talk about this all the time we have different levels 10 25 100 and i must continue to say thank you so much we're still not at our goal to reach that permanent it's going to happen no matter what but i'm still hustling and working hard for you i love that you guys and gals have been able to help allow me to do this. And I talk, you know, I thank everyone pretty much for the most part individually. So thank you so much. And then one other quick thing just to get it ahead of it in a, you know, I'm going to start looking for sponsorships for the, for the show. Eventually we're getting the numbers to do it from a listen standpoint. So if you're a Patreon supporter, there is a feed that'll allow you to listen to this without any of the ads. But if you're someone who still supports the show, thank you so much, and listens for free and five stars it on iTunes, we just broke 500 five-star five reviews, which is madness, then you will still get the ad. So if you're a Patreon supporter, no ads. If you are still listening and supporting outside of Patreon, you'll just have to hear ads, okay? So thank you. Thank you so much for everybody. Man, it's, it's amazing, and I got nothing but love for you. All right, let's keep on grinding through this show. Google and Apple. Who would have known, right? They're always, they're so tightly interconnected. Now, last week, there was a story that came up on the Associated Press reporting that data was being collected, like for example, with some Google apps on iOS and Android devices. They continued to store your location history, even with the setting disabled, which was kind of frustrating. And so the ultimate resolution was that Google said, okay, by default, it's set to send that data. You have to manually go into your settings, you know, for something like the Google web browser and find, or at least in the settings of your, of your phone and turn off web and app activity and location history. That will need to be done to disable Google from collecting any location data. And how many people actually have done all of those things? Most of us have not. Well, this is maybe why you want to. A new report by the Trade Association Digital Content Next in a paper titled Google Data Collection. All right. This was written by Douglas C. Schmidt. Got to give him all the love for this. He's a computer science professor at Vanderbilt. He says that Android devices send data to Google nearly 10 times more often than iOS devices do to Apple, according to the research. You might be like, dang, I'm happy that I have an iPhone right now. Among the findings, an Android phone with a Chrome web browser active in the background communicated location information to Google 340 times during a 24-hour period. 340, repeat, 340 times during the 24-hour period. Now, an equivalent experiment found that on an iOS device with Safari open, but not Chrome, right, with just the Safari browser open, Google could not collect any data at all unless the user was interacting with the device also on top of this an idle android phone running chrome just completely idle phone on android sends back to google data nearly 50 times as many data requests per hour as an idle phone running safari so i'm just letting you know that overall an idle android device is found to communicate with google nearly 10 times more often than an Apple device communicates with Apple servers. You know, privacy may not be the sexiest thing, but you hear those numbers, you kind of know that it's happening, but then when you hear those numbers, you're like, ugh. But does it change what phone you use? No, it's not gonna change that, but it's it's something to chew on. Also, Apple, uh, if you remember, Apple acquired Shazam, the music identifying tagging buying service that uh is really the only app that I use 3D touch for. Now, today other than pushing on my screen to see uh full text messages instead of going to the app right to pop open that little preview, that and Shazam are the only reasons and the only ways that I use 3D touch and it's kind of sad to me because I really feel like 3D touch is dying. I don't know anyone that's doing it. And Apple has done a poor job, and I've said this over and over, of making it like ubiquitous in every product, and every device. And yeah, fine, putting it on an iPad is tricky. But they're not featuring 3D Touch enough. I thought it was, I still to this day think is it's an amazing interface that can give you more from your phone. And it's like, now it's like, oh, well, if your app wants to support some 3D Touch functions, cool. Some 30 part third party apps do it. Some don't Apple doesn't really Apple doesn't even talk about 3d touch anymore. They aren't doing nothing with it. It's a shame. It's a shame. I thought they were, they were teasing how games could use it so much more. What game developers are taking their time to use 3d touch? How many flagship title games are actually using 3d touch? You can correct me, but I don't think there's many. I haven't, I haven't seen one that I'm like, okay, this is great. Okay, I went off on a tangent on 3D Touch. Anyways, Apple Shazam acquisition is set to finally gain European approval. It had been yet to be completed due to an ongoing investigation. Apple planned the acquisition of Shazam back in December of last year. Regulators were worried that the merger between the two companies could give Apple a whole wealth of data, right, to target its customers. They were also concerned that Apple would disallow Shazam from referring com you know, customers to services like Spotify and others, which is obviously a big deal. But this looks like it's moving forward. Shazam has already been built into Siri through third-party hooks where when you ever say, what's this song, it's actually using the Shazam engine or Shazam's brains to tag that song for you. So pretty cool stuff. And Mr. Cook, if you want to talk about what's cool, this guy's feeling real cool. Tim Cook is poised to receive a round, according to uh, multiple reports, $120 million in Apple stock for, for Apple's great performance, basically. It's 560,000 shares of Apple stock. Uh, this is based on an agreement with, obviously, a contract with him and Apple over time. It's quite massive. But also what I do like about this is Tim Cook has outright said, you know, he's not trying to keep all of his riches. He's he's really not. He uh, recently donated 23,000 shares of Apple stock because they can go up in value worth nearly $5 million. He donated that recently to a charity. Let me see what let me see if I can find out what charity that was. But that's baller, right? That's that's a lot. Oh, it didn't actually outright say what charity what charity he did. It was a undercover it's hopefully it wasn't his alma mater Duke University. I don't think they need more money. But Apple became the world's only trillion dollar public publicly traded company and so he's swimming in cash. Apple's earnings continue to go bonkers. I wish there was a little more innovation to earnings balance, but that's just me speaking out loud. I just I want to see something special from Apple and ah uh, okay fine airpods everyone that's just right now saying airpods dude airpods okay okay airpods special but can get a whole lot better all right let's go check out our voicemails like i said we had like over 15 calls the phone number to call in 833-888-ABXL that's 2295 so 833-888-2295 all right we're gonna first set things off with chris uh he wants to talk about the touch bar
1: Hey, Brian. My name is Chris. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I, um, I've been a one listener to this show ever since 2014 when I got my first MacBook, and last year I recently bought a new 2017 15-inch MacBook Pro, um, and I'm going to share a very unpopular take on it that I'm actually a big fan of the touch bar because I think it really gives me the usability of, out of that last row of function keys that I didn't really use that much when it came to my old MacBook Pro, which was a 13-inch uh, 2013 model. Um, I know you're probably going to say that it doesn't make much sense that I'm a fan of it, but I think that it actually gives the computer a lot more usability uh, when it comes to those keys and it actually is really helpful when it comes to being able to have the customizable screen for the apps that I'm actually using. All right, I'm going to keep this short for you and enjoy to hear what you're going to say about it. Thanks.
0: Chris, I, I think Tim agrees with you. It's really awesome. He, he look... I think that it all comes down to individual users, how you use it and what you like best about it. I just say that I'm not the biggest fan about it because I wish, there's so many times where I just want to feel a physical feedback or know that I'm actually hitting something properly. There's times where I'm entering numbers for addresses or credit cards or passwords and the tip of my finger actually touches the touch bar and then it takes me out of that prompt. It happens in like video editing all the time. And so and overall, I think it's a lot more eye candy than it is functionality. But I, I agree with you with customizing it. That's gonna be a big deal for you. And I like that you like it because I'm not the only voice here. And so, you know, I want to celebrate that. Chris, my man, he loves the touch bar. That is dope. All right, let's let's talk to Trey.
2: Hey Brian, this is Trey from Seattle, longtime listener, uh, first time caller. Really uh it's really cool that you uh, got your own gig now um, and I'm definitely um, listen to you every week and supporting your efforts. So um, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I did want to say that I do agree with you a little bit about the Apple Pencil support on the new iPhone, especially the new 6.5-inch um, one. I think it's an added value to people that are in the ecosystem. So in other words, if I have an iPad um, or an educational iPad with that little crown—it's not really like a—it's like a cheaper stylus they were gonna sell. If I had that, then um, I can use it with my phone, and that's cool, right? For a signature or to do something with. But if I don't have it, then I don't use it. No big deal. It's just—it's just there if you want to use it. The screen is capable of uh, utilizing a stylus as an input, but you don't have to use it. Anyway, um, again, just an added value, something they can do, but they don't have to do for people that want to do it. So anyway, thanks and uh, catch you later. Bye.
0: All right, Trey, I hear you. I hear you both, Chris and Trey. I think for me with the Apple Pencil, if it works with the iPhone, to me it has to be like, how does it work? What three killer features is going to make it worthwhile for me? And also, quite honestly, how are you going to put it They're not. I don't see them fitting that whatever they call it in the phone. It's going to be a separate thing that's going to be hanging around somewhere, and you're going to have some leather case that you put it in, and you have to either use this case so it doesn't get lost. I just think there's, for me, there's a lot of questions, and I'm never going to say never and say, oh, I'm totally going to use this. But at least for the way that I use my devices right now, if you're telling me to use a pencil and it on a phone or a stylus, whatever, you know. Stylus pencil, we know Apple doesn't, a stylus doesn't exist in the current Apple world. There, There's no such thing as a stylus. It's only, it's only a pencil, but I, I really have to see how they're going to really make it important and useful. But to your point, it is an option and it's better to have options than to have no options. It just seems interesting how I haven't seen every, all this whole multiple size screens, uh, iPhone moved towards three size screens from two to three. And now bringing in pencil stylus functionality when this is this type of stuff that they poo-pooed for years. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, we're, we're doing it and it's awesome. But I guess, I guess it's kind of Apple's MO honestly. So to each their own, but yeah, I think it's better to have the option than to have no option at all. All right, Avi, what you got for me?
1: Yo, Brian, it's Avi from Santa Rosa. Just wanted to say congratulations on your new show, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how Apple is going the completely wrong direction and away from what Steve Jobs was initially doing and going in the direction of doing their own thing, and now they're doing things that are copying other companies. Saying that, I was thinking that I am so bought into the Apple system already; it's really hard for me to go. To any other system, but what, with another system to go to, what would I go to? I don't know. That is my question to you, Brian. Thank you. Have a good night.
0: So, there's kind of two parts to your call. First of all, if you had to ask me on the spot, not knowing what the Pixel 3 is going to do, I'm gonna pick my still my preference let's say as of like a month ago, would be Pixel 2 with pure Android. If you want the best hardware, you got to go Samsung, but I'm not the biggest fan of the TouchWiz interface. It's still way cleaner than it ever has been. The Samsung hardware is just bonkers. It's just ridiculous. But from an OS standpoint, I would go with Google's Pixel. So yeah, in a perfect world, we'd see the hardware of, the Samsung, of a Samsung phone with uh, the pure Android experience and the Google Pixel camera lens. For a non-iPhone product. Um, and you're going to miss things. Obviously, the whole... If you are been in Apple forever, you're going to miss so many of the ecosystem hooks with your devices talking to each other. You won't be able to use an Apple Watch anymore if you're that type of person. I'm sorry, AirDrop matters. <laughs> AirDrop matters to me. You have things, uh, just easy access to FaceTime calling if you do that. Or even I just like turning calls into FaceTime audio. The blue text message bubbles, the iMessage blue bubbles don't tell me that matters. The color doesn't matter, but you know, you get used to doing certain things in your messaging app, which is one of the things you use the most. And when they're gone, they're gone and it just feels different. And it's just something that takes a long time to get used to, but there's migration tools to get all your contacts and information over. It's not that big of a deal, but I, depending on how you use the phone, you may or may not miss certain things. I definitely think AirDrop is super underrated. F- friends, family come over to use my apartment Wi-Fi. They try and prompt it. I just hit a button, and it immediately, without them having to enter in anything, it sends a password. You just got all these little, you got all these little nooks and hooks from the ecosystem that do matter. Um, the other thing, though, you touched on is Apple. You know, not not being as innovative per se. I think the biggest issue, and we've talked about how Apple is different. And really what it comes down to, I've, I've said this in many ways, but I don't think I've expressed, expressed it this way, right? We've talked about Steve Jobs' vision, Tim, jo- Tim Cook's being a big numbers guy. You know, Apple in the past, really, their goal was to make the best product, not three iPhones. So Apple's new mantra is we want to make the best phones we can at multiple price points to make the most money that we can. I really think that's their psychology. They'll never say it, but you can't tell me, oh, we're making the best phone. You're not, then don't make the 6.1 inch LCD iPhone. You make me, fine, I'll, I'll go to two sizes of phones that are exactly the same, even splitting camera features or being able to rotate the, the phone and use it horizontally versus not on a smaller phone. Don't do that. Give me the exact same features, the exact same quality on both phones, even if they're different sizes. But you know what? They're playing the whole, okay, upgrade to a larger side. That's not making the best phone. That's playing the money game. I think the other, so you have those two dynamics, jobs versus cook, Apple being product first versus now being products at multiple prices to make the most money. I think the third part is that, and it all ties into this, you need someone with vision that has this crazy ass dream product that they know what they want and they want to see it happen and they are so married to it, and they know how it how to make it happen, and that product then is tra- transferred onto us. Another example: as crazy as he can be, and as in trouble as he can be for whatever, Elon Musk, the Tesla is the car that he wants. Like he, like I absolutely want this Tesla. What what is what is Tim Cook's first product was the Apple Watch, but see, Tim Cook didn't say. I want this watch that has X, Y, and Z. Tim Cook was like, let's make a smartwatch. Everyone by committee, let's make this watch. And what happened? The first watch is alright, but really is more of a dud. It really didn't do much. It looked really good. That's the only reason why I kept it, quite honestly. Now, three years later, after years of fine-tuning it, because Apple is such a big machine, because they had time to work on it, that because they had lots of people figuring things out, it's now finally just an amazing product. But you can't tell me that the Apple Watch was even remotely amazing when it first came out. The first iPhone, that was freaking amazing. The first iPad, that was freaking amazing. The first iPod, man, if you were around for the iPod, that blew my mind. Its dial interface still blows my mind. That was awesome. That's because someone had this crazy vision and dream. Here, not as much. So I think the Apple today is like, and Apple, again, is playing more copycat than other. Why did Apple make an Apple Watch? Because the Pebble on Kickstarter was so freaking popular. I think it it was the first Kickstarter to, it had record numbers. I I believe it had something like $15 million uh, for the first, con or 10 million of people that want it. So guess what? Samsung, Apple, Google, like we got to make these. And where's Pebble now? Pebble's dead. Pebble's gone. It was absorbed by, I don't want to say it incorrectly. I feel like it was... It's not Fitbit, I don't want to say. Was it Motorola? I don't want to say. But Pebble's gone now, right? They were a small company with an amazing idea and dream, but at the end, the big boys squeezed them out. What will be the product that stands out that you can tell someone had this vision? And because it's not, I'm sorry, it's not going to be Tim Cook. Apple Glasses, will we have a clear vision of that over time? Will it be a... Oh my god, amazing product in on release. Not everyone's going to wear them. I'm not going to wear glasses right out of the gate. Or is it just going to be like a product that evolves over 3 or 4 years and then it's finally like at its point of like yes, this is it. We'll see. I talked a lot about that, but I think I thought that was kind of important to illustrate how they're different in so many different ways now. Um but yeah, AirPods are AirPods are really really good. They're not great. I don't I know everyone is buying them in droves, but just because of that, they could still be so much better, but they are really, they are really, really, really good. I've, I've stuck with that ever since day one. All right. We've got another call. Robert, he might be feeling the same pain that you're feeling.
1: Hey, Brian, Robert here coming from Albuquerque. Hey, uh, I grew up in Cupertino, Sunnyvale, and I've always been an Apple fan. I quite, uh, they they confuse me. <laughs> I quite don't understand what Apple is doing. Um, they're a, a, a billion dollar company um, why can't they get their act together? for instance, like um, the home automation. why can't they just separate into like a separate division that that product line and make it right? Um, it, I just don't understand anyway. Thanks to everything you do. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: Thanks, Robert. Uh, I think that it's harder than it even sounds just to even spin off into a different division. The biggest problem that Apple's home kit slash smart home division has is that Siri just isn't up to snuff. That's the biggest thing that's holding everything back, quite honestly, from Apple taking that next step up when it comes to, voice assistant, just even AI in general. We know they're working on it, but that's their biggest hole. They're just, quite honestly, it sounds messed up, but they're just, their phones aren't smart enough. Compared, they have the mass market appeal. They look amazing. They do amazing things. The ecosystem is amazing. But what is the number one thing driving technology forward, especially today? it's having a smart assistant. It's not about a thinner phone. It's not about a better camera. Everyone is locked into their ecosystem so much that they still won't even change. It's hard to change to another phone. But then when you have someone like Apple and you have one of the, you know, arguably the dumbest smart assistant on a phone, it's not good. It doesn't help you. And so there's this perception inside of Apple consumers that are like, oh my gosh, get your act together. But guess what? As long as we still keep buying these things, they're still gonna be doing just fine. They don't have to they when you're on when you're on top, you don't have to necessarily work as hard. They're kinda like the fat cat. If they if there was no competition from an AI standpoint, and there remember there was not. Apple had Siri first on the phone. For two years they had a lead. No one was doing anything really to come close. Google starts storming in, Amazon starts storming in. Apple didn't have competition there, and they weren't trying to Make they weren't in hustle mode, and now look at where look where they are now, look where they are now with Siri. So that's the biggest obstacle with their home home division more than anything else to me. All right, last call.
1: Hey Brian, this is Bobby from up in Canada. Just wanted to give you a call about AirPods. Probably one of my favorite Apple products that I have. I use them every day, and I was just curious about the second gen of AirPods and the distance that they'll be able to travel from your iPhone. I didn't realize that my current AirPods weren't kind of using the the distance of theoretical maximum distance for Bluetooth technology. How much better can it get with the next gen? And what are the improvements do you see happening for
0: AirPods? Thanks a lot, bye. All right, AirPods got nothing but love for this. You know, I wanted to take this call because we haven't talked about AirPods as much. You know, there's a lot of different ideas flowing around. Will we see the actual official AirPods 2 this September, I really hope so. You know, there's a lot of different things that they've been talking about from an improvement standpoint with this second generation having like a ability to just instead of have to tap them, you can just prompt Siri by saying, you know, the magic words. Uh, there's definitely a wireless charging case that will be part of the new AirPods because Apple teased it last year in 2018, uh, sorry, 2017 in September and it still hasn't come yet. So we're still waiting for that. I think the biggest thing you talk about here is an upgrade of Bluetooth chip. And why is that going to be important? So right now the AirPods are using uh Bluetooth 4.2 low energy, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's yes. Yeah, so right now they're using Bluetooth 4.2. But see, the next the way the way that it can get a lot better, beyond all the things I talked about, beyond the fact that there's rumored like water resistance and stuff like that, is that Bluetooth 5.0 which is in some of Apple's current devices already. I think the MacBook Pros have it already. The new batch of MacBook Pros, I believe uh, the iPhones have it. And it's kind of like under the radar improvement. But why is that important? Is Bluetooth 5.0 is really gonna take a product or or accessories that use Bluetooth like the AirPods and really amp them up. So for example, the data throughput for Bluetooth 4.2 versus 5.0 is one meg- megabits per second versus two megabits per second. So it's double the speed, data throughput. Also, you can do things, for example, like with Bluetooth 5.0, you could actually support two speakers, 2 let's say you're traveling, two headphones completely wireless could listen in on a single phone, completely wireless. It supports multiple wireless device connection. Right now, someone's like saying, oh, you can do that right now. Well, that's actually using AirPlay over Wi-Fi. I'm talking about purely over Bluetooth, all right? So also the quality and fidelity of Bluetooth 5.0 could get you close to like lossless streaming. So that's like the highest quality uh, audio format that, you know, Apple has their own lossless format, but really no degradation there. In AirPods, it's not like you're really gonna hear the main advantage of that. But the other part also is, um, let's talk about distance. I think they say with Bluetooth 5.0, you can get up to 800 feet range. Yeah. So right now it's 200 feet with Bluetooth 4.2, 800 feet. That's huge from a standpoint of walking around a home. Yeah, you'll have issues with walls and other competing signals, but just the fact that, Bluetooth 5.0 is Bluetooth on steroids. And so if the new AirPods come with a Bluetooth 5.0 support, I think that's really going to open up a lot of new things and interesting things that Apple can do with it, um, which makes it exciting for me. I, I want them to add, though, just basic more touch control. I want you to be able to physically touch the stems of the AirPods on one side and slide the volume up and down. It's a touch surface. I want, I think that would be so useful. I don't talk to Siri with headphones. I don't care about that, right? So do that. They're going to end up looking exactly the same. It's kind of been established now as like the look. And I'm, that's to each their own. I mean, I rock them, although I just lost them recently. So I I hope they're in a pocket somewhere. That happens, you know. But that's really what some of the main improvements that we could see with the AirPods 2 and hopefully we'll find out in September again. Three weeks away from the estimated time for the keynote, kind of exciting. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, remember, call, participate, be a part of it. I'm so thankful. We literally had like 15 plus calls. The number one eight three three triple eight ABXL one eight three three triple eight two two nine five. Got to do a shout out to all my platinum apples at the 100 sub uh, sorry sponsorship level and higher. Brandon Ledford. Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frater, Craig Hindall, and Jarrett Lewis. Thank you so much. And again, I can't say thank you enough to everyone who contributes, who five-star reviews this, who tells their friend. It's just helping grow this thing. And uh, we're only four months deep, and uh, it's kind of amazing. All right. Thanks again so much. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to wrap things up. That's the Apple Bits XL. Take care. Be safe.
2: Peace.